This morning, we're going to turn in God's Word to the book of James. So if you have your Bible, device, however you read God's Word, take it out and turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. And in just a moment, we're going to look at just a few verses here. And let me tell you kind of why we're looking at this verse this morning. Uh, tonight, we're going to do something just a little bit different in our worship service anyway. And it might be a little bit different for us, but it's just what the Word of God says here in James chapter 5. Back in the spring, my life group, we were reading through the book of James. And as we were reading through it, and I came specifically to James chapter 5, and specifically to James 5, 13, 14, and 15, God just really convicted me as a pastor and as a church that we weren't doing everything the Bible tells us to do. So when God speaks, you better just say, yes, sir, and you better just do it. So that's what I did. And so tonight, all we're going to do is what James 5 says. And what the verses say there, it says, if any among you are suffering, you should pray. So tonight, if there's any among us suffering, we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for them, and we're going to pray over them. Bible goes on to say there, if any among you are happy or joyful, you should sing praises. And so we're going to do that. We're going to sing praises to the Lord. And even if you're suffering, even if you're sick, guess what? You can sing praises to the Lord, and that's what we're going to do. And then verse 14 says, if any among you are sick, you should call upon the elders of the church to pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And so we're going to do that there's any among us who are sick or any who in our community you know of that you invite here who are sick and need to be prayed over in the name of the Lord we are going to do just simply that because that is the ministry of the church according to James chapter 5 and so tonight we're going to do that but before we do that this morning I want to preach through James chapter 5 these few verses because I want you to understand what these verses are saying but I also want you to understand what these verses are not saying. Because I know we live in a society of excess and people go excessive ways and they go excessive ways from the Word of God and both of them are wrong. And so I want us to not only know what the Word of God says but to be obedient specifically to what the Word of God says. So in just a moment, we're going to look at these verses, but I just want to say two things up front, specifically because you need to know these two things because you're probably going to be thinking them as I preach. Now first, what I'm going to say today is not exhaustive, and I am not going to answer all your questions about healing. I don't have time, number one. But number two, we're just going to look at the heart and the core of this, but we will probably come back to these verses often as we continue to do just what the Bible says here in James chapter 5 on a continuing basis as we minister to our body here and to others who need to be prayed for. So this is not an exhaustive sermon. And I will not answer all your questions. But secondly, a lot of what I say today in your ears and in your mind is going to sound contradictory. But what I say today is not contradictory. It is biblical. Now here's the problem. Most people do not read the Word of God the way the Word of God was intended to be read. 
That's what I mean by that. I believe that God has given us His Word and He wrote the Word of God in such a way that we stayed centered on the Word and on the Word alone. And we don't go too far to the right, we don't go too far to the left. It almost tethers us right in the middle, centered on God. But inevitably, with these verses and other in the Bible, this is what happens. Some people will go too far to the right and they will take excess what the Word of God says. And what happens when you go too far to the right, here's what happens every time, it becomes about you rather than the Word of God. It becomes about your understanding. It comes about your mental capacity. In some cases, it becomes about your faith and your power to manipulate and control the situation. And i got news for you. You ain't got enough faith to control the situation because it's not biblical. Only God does. But the other way is extreme as well. And people will go too far to the left. And what they'll try to do with verses like James 5 is they'll try to just explain them away. And they'll try to make excuses for God. And they'll make God almost anemic and apathetic. And they make Him who He is completely not. Both of them are wrong. The Word of God is written so that we will stay humble, number one. So that we will stay centered on the Word, number two. And so that we will be searching inevitably after God and only God. So what I say today is not contradictory. Even if it sounds like it, it is biblical. And as I read James chapter 5, and as I read the whole counsel of Scripture, one thing is for certain to me, in my mind anyway, and that is that God has a heart for those who are suffering and those who are sick. And if you don't believe that, just go read the Gospels and see how Jesus ministered to those who are suffering and those who are sick. And all Jesus is, is the image of the invisible God. That's what the Bible says. And in the Gospels alone, there are 41 instances where Jesus ministers to someone and heals them miraculously. 41 that we know of. But there were many more. Matthew chapter 4 says that many came to Jesus with various diseases and sicknesses, some demon-possessed, some paralyzed, some blind, some deaf. So many, just in that case, we don't know how many came, and he healed them all. Jesus never failed to heal anyone. But not only that, I want you to listen to this verse. I love this verse. It's the very last verse in the book of John. Just listen to what John says in verse 25, John 21, 25. Jesus also did many other things if they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. So we don't know what all Jesus did. But we know that Jesus ministered in ways that we can hardly even fathom. And he did it over and over and over again. And he healed people miraculously. And he saved people because Jesus has a heart for the hurting, for those who are lost. He aches for them. He longs for them. And so guess what? The church should have the same heart. Because that's what we've been called to do. How do I know? Because the Bible tells us that. I preached on this not long ago, but in Luke chapter 9, Jesus Christ calls the disciples together, those first 12. And He is about to send them out for the very first time. He's going to stay back. They're going to go by themselves. And listen to how He sends them out. Verse 1 of Luke 9, One day Jesus called together the twelve disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to do what? Heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus has given us the power and the authority to go preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. 
The church should be about ministering to the sick because that is the heart of God. But in many ways, the church has failed in this. And we have neglected our duties. And just like in ministering to the poor, when the church neglects its duties, guess what happens? Someone comes in and takes over our place, and it is a disaster every single time. Because God intended that for the church, and He intended it for our good and His glory. And when we neglect what He tells us to do, we are disobedient, and we are sinful. So I want to look at these verses so that you understand them in context and understand what the Word of God is saying. So in just a moment, we're going to look there starting in verse 13. But before we look there, I want you to see the context in which this is written. So I want you to look back just a little bit earlier in verses 7. So in James 5, 7, this is where the context of James is writing this, where James 5, 13, talking about healing, falls into place. This is what he says, starting in verse 7. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmer who waits patiently while waiting for the rain in the fall and the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Everything we read after that is in the context of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come again according to the word of God. And until he comes, we are to be patient waiting on his return. Why? Because guess what God is doing? He is being patient, waiting to send Jesus Christ back to this earth. That's what 2 Peter 3.9 says. 2 Peter 3.9 says God is not really slow about his promises. He is being patient because he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So just as God is being patient with the evil of this earth and the sin and the sickness and the disease, guess what we as believers must do as well? We must be patient with the evil of this earth, with the sin, with the sickness, with the suffering that we endure, waiting for the coming of the Lord, because it is near. And when He comes, guess what? Everything changes. And we who know Him will be with Him, and we will be made like Him, according to 1 Thessalonians. We will be like Him in every way, made perfect. There will be no more evil, or sin, or sickness, or pain, or suffering. But until He comes, we wait patiently. So understand that context. So now look down to verse 13 of James 5, and let's just read it. This is what the Bible says. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make them well. And if you have committed any sins, your sins will be forgiven. Now, as I read these verses in James chapter 5, in light of all the Bible, the whole context of the Bible, Two phrases, two statements seem very true to me even though those statements seem contradictory. Number one is this. It is not always God's will to heal us physically because if it was, there would be no sickness and there would be no death. Okay, but a second point. 
It is often God's will to heal us physically, or James 5, 13 through 15 would not be in the Bible. Now, I understand you're thinking, well, those two things contradict each other. They do in our mind, because here's the problem. We don't understand healing according to the Bible. Because you and me, when we think about physical healing, this is what we think in our mind. We think of almost God rewinding the clock and us going back in time and it all being like it was before. Before the accident, before the sickness, before the suffering, the pain, whatever it was, we just want to go back in time and let it be just like that. That's what we really are saying when we pray for physical healing. We want our circumstance to change. That's not what healing is to God. You see, for God, we are never going backwards We're always moving forward so that we can be more like Jesus. Romans 8, 28 and 29. My favorite verse in the Bible, Romans 8, 28. You know it by heart, most of you. For we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. What is good? Verse 29. Well, God chose you to become like His Son. That's what's good. That's what is healing. Whatever God has to do to make you like His Son, that's what God is doing, is He's moving you forward in your relationship with Him. And when your relationship is made whole with Him, guess what? You are healed physically. You are healed spiritually, emotionally, relationally, whatever way it is, you are healed. But it's not a change of circumstance. Now, does that mean that God does not heal miraculously physically? Yes, it means He heals miraculously physically. But listen to me. All healing on this earth, all physical healing is temporary. It is partial. Because we will never be healed completely until 1 Thessalonians takes place. And our spirit and our body are reunited and we are glorified and we are made like Jesus Christ. But on that day, there is true healing. But not until that day. So I want you to understand healing in God's mind and what healing truly means as we look at this text. So as we look at this text, the Bible just gives us four specific things that as a church and that we as a body are to be doing as we minister to the sick. And I just want to talk about those four things. And those four things are found in verse 14 through 15. Let me read them again quickly so you hear them so we can talk about them. Verse 14. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, your sins will be forgiven. The first thing the Bible tells us to do there is it's talking specifically to the one who is sick and it says to the one who is sick you are to call for the elders of the church to pray over you now the bible does not say there that the elders of the church are to call on the one who is sick and go pray for them it does not say that it says specifically the one who is sick calls for the elders of the church why because for the one who is sick that is their faith Because what does the Bible say? A prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. Now let me say something real specific before I talk more about that. The command here 
is for believers. The sick person here who calls for the elders of the church is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. How do I know that? What did verse 7 that we read about a minute ago? It says, dear brothers and sisters. Verse 9, James says, don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters. In this context, James is talking to brothers and sisters in Christ, followers of Jesus Christ. And so if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then the Bible tells you if you are sick to call for the elders of the church to pray over you. That is a step of faith for you. And so why do you come to the elders of the church to pray for you? Because inevitably, if you are suffering, if you are hurting, if you are sick, then your faith has been weakened. Your faith is being tested. And so you call for the church whose faith is strong, who can come alongside you and pick you up and help you in your time of need. That's what the church is here to do. Listen to me. Please listen to this. If you hear nothing else I say, Because this is something I deal with all the time and I hear this all the time. If you know someone who is sick, never say to them, well, if you just had more faith, God would heal you. That is balarkey. And it is not biblical. And when you say that to someone, you destroy them. You destroy them. Because then in their mind, then they have doubts. And then they have questions. And then they wonder, well, why will God heal them and not heal me? Why will God do this? What's wrong with me? Well, nothing is wrong with you. Because when you're sick and you're suffering, guess what? Your faith is weakened. No one in this room has more faith than anyone else. No one. Faith is a gift from God, and we all have the exact same amount. Now, some people in this room's faith is stronger than others. Just like your muscles. Nobody in this room has more muscles than me. We all have the same muscle structure. Now, some of your muscles are bigger than mine, but you ain't got more than I got. You might work out more than me, so you're stronger than me. But guess what happens when you work out? What has to happen to a muscle before it can become strong? It has to be broken down and destroyed, and then it's built up. Guess what happens to your faith? It has to be broken down and destroyed, and then it's built up. So guess what sickness does? Guess what suffering does? It breaks you down and it destroys your faith and the church comes in alongside and prays for you when they're strong and you're weak. That's the ministry of the church. So never say to someone, oh, if you just had enough faith. If I ever hear that, we will have a conversation. Because you have no idea how many people have wept in my office because someone said that to them. And it destroys them. I hate it. Oh, I hate it. Do not say that. It's unbiblical. The elders in the church come alongside and help. So that's why the sick person calls for the church to come pray for them. And how are we to pray as the church? Well, the Bible says specifically there that we are to pray and to anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, why does the Bible say that we are to anoint with oil? Is there something healing in that oil just in its preservatives or properties or whatever it's made of? The Bible doesn't even tell us what type of oil to use. I'm assuming here it's not pins oil, but I don't know because the Bible doesn't say. We always use olive oil because that's the oil that's always used in the Bible. But let me tell you, it doesn't matter what oil you use, if it's Crisco or olive oil or whatever, because all the oil is is a symbol of the Holy Spirit of God. It's symbolic of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit of God that heals. I promise you that. I know that specifically. How do I know? 
because that's what the Bible says. Listen to this verse. In Acts 10.38, this is what it says about Jesus. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. When did Jesus go around doing good and healing those who were oppressed? When he was anointed with the Holy Spirit, right? When are people going to be healed when we pray for them? When we anoint them with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit of God comes upon them and heals them. It's not about your prayers. It's not about your faith. It's not about the things that we do. It's about the Holy Spirit of God. That's why we anoint the Holy Spirit and that's why we pray in the name of the Lord. Not in the name of a church. Not in the name of a pastor. Not in the name of anybody but the Lord. It is the Lord who heals. And so we anoint with oil and we pray in the name of the Lord but we also pray in faith. Verse 15, a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. James uses an interesting phrase. It's the only time it's used in the Bible where he says a prayer offered in faith. Nowhere else is that used. So we are to pray believing that God can do the impossible, knowing that God can do the impossible, and knowing that God does the impossible. We pray in faith. And then the Bible says that the sick will be healed. Now the word for healed there you need to understand. Because the word that James uses there is the Greek word sozo. And that word has different meanings in the New Testament. It really truly just means to save. But other places in the New Testament it's used as physical healing. So it has two meanings. And in this context I believe it has two meanings in Luke chapter 8 when Jesus is walking down the street and Jairus the leader of the synagogue comes and begs him to come heal his daughter he's walking to Jairus's house and the Bible tells us a woman comes up behind Jesus who has been bleeding for years and years and years and the Bible says she touches the hem of his garment and what happens she's healed but Jesus has a conversation with her and you know what he says to the woman he says this he says to that woman your faith has saved you. Sozo. Now, was that woman healed physically? Yes, she was healed physically. The Bible tells us she was healed physically. But guess what? That woman was also healed spiritually because Jesus, the last words he says to her on this earth, go in peace. How can she go in peace? Only if she has peace with God. And the only way you can have peace with God is to be right with God through Jesus Christ. She was saved physically, and she was saved spiritually. Sozo. In Luke chapter 5, there's four guys that love their friend so much that they want to get their friend to Jesus Christ. But they go to this house, and Jesus is teaching in the house, and there's so many people in the house, they're flooding outside, and they can't get their friend to Jesus. He's paralyzed, and they're carrying him on the mat. So the Bible says they climb up on the roof, dig a hole in the roof, put ropes on that mat, and lower that man to Jesus Christ so that he can be healed. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says Jesus looks up at those, those men and he says, your faith has saved him. Sozo. That's what we do as a church. We're like the four guys bringing the paralyzed man to Jesus. It's our faith that helps the one who is sick and suffering and doesn't have the faith. But do you know what Jesus says to that man? The very first thing he says to him, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And then later in the exchange, he says, stand up and walk. 
But first he's saved spiritually, then he's healed physically. I want you to think about something, that guy laying on that mat, he'd been paralyzed his whole life. Which healing do you think he was more thankful for that day? Probably the physical. I mean, he stood up and he ran out of that house. Would you not be thankful for that if you've been paralyzed all your life? But I guarantee you, when he came to the point of death, he was a whole lot more thankful for the spiritual healing than he was the physical healing. I guarantee it. But that's what healing is here. It's both physical and spiritual. And a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. The last thing that the Bible says here is that there will be healing. Verse 15. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. The fourth step is just to expect God to do exactly what His Word says and expect that the person will be healed. Now, the text does not tell us how the person will be healed. doesn't tell us when the person will be healed. It doesn't tell us what means the healing will come. All it says is that they will be healed. And here's our problem. Our greatest problem with this text is the certainty of this text. Because we would be much better off in our minds if the text read this. We would like it to say, the prayer offered in faith may heal the sick. Then we could explain this text away. But that's not what the Bible says. It says, in all certainty, that the prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And here's the problem. There's an undeniable fact that every person we pray for will not be literally physically healed. But there is an undeniable fact that millions of people have been healed by God miraculously. How do I reconcile the two? I can't and I do not. All I'm commanded to do is pray and pray in faith and God does the rest. Here's how I look at praying for those who are sick. I look at it just like sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know that every person I share the gospel with will not be saved according to the Bible. I know that. But I also know this. I know that the more people I share the gospel with increases the number of people who will be saved. I know that by the word of God. Guess what? The same is true for healing when I pray for people. I understand that not every person I pray for in my mind will be healed the way I think they should be healed. But guess what? The more people I anoint with oil and pray in the name of the Lord and pray in faith and pray over them, guess what's going to happen? The more people that are going to be healed physically. It's an undeniable fact of Scripture. And so what are we commanded to do? We're commanded to pray. And we're commanded to believe God that He is working all things together for good and that He is moving not only in our lives as we pray, but the person we're praying for. And the Word of God says He will heal them. But again, all healing on this earth is temporary. Out of the 41 instances where Jesus miraculously healed someone in the Gospels, guess what happened to every one of those people? Every single one of them died. Why? Because we still live in a time of evil, sin, and sickness because God is patiently waiting for the return of the Lord. Does that mean Jesus shouldn't have prayed for them and miraculously healed them? No, because their life was changed forever. Because they were not just healed physically, they were healed spiritually and eternally. And their life will never be the same.
I could stand here, in all honesty, and I could tell you story after story after story of praying over people, just as James 5 says, and then miraculous being healed without medicine, without anything except the hand of God. Not only on the mission field, but here at home as well. But I can also tell you stories of people that I have prayed for the exact same way, with the exact same amount of faith. And God did not heal them the way I thought He should. But does that mean the Word of God is not true? No, it does not mean the Word of God is not true. It means that I see very little. And God sees it all. And I am limited. God is not. And so we are called to pray. And we leave everything else to God. Back about 10 years ago, we moved down to Georgia to pastor a church there. And one of the very first people we met was a lady named Tanya. And when we first met her, Tanya had cancer. She had had cancer for a few years. And for whatever reason, she just loved our girls like no one else. And it really was the first time we ever moved a long way away from home. We were about nine, ten hours from home, so our girls didn't have grandparents, they didn't have family, they didn't have anybody. So Tanya kind of filled that gap. And she loved them. But I'll never forget one night she called me as the pastor, the elder of the church, to come and just do what James 5 says. And she told me about all the cancer, and she told me about all the treatments, and the radiation, and the doctor's visits, and blah, 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 on and on. And so she said, John, will you just do what the Bible says? I said, sure. So I took oil, and I anointed her head, and I prayed for her in the name of the Lord, and I offered that prayer in faith. Not long after that, to the doctor's amazement, she went into remission, complete remission. For about two years, she stayed in complete remission. When she was first diagnosed with cancer, they told her she would be dead in two years. But after two years, another form of cancer attacked her body. And guess what? I did the exact same thing I did before. I went to her and I anointed her with oil and I prayed in the name of the Lord. And I believe I prayed with more faith that time than the time before because I had already experienced God healing her. But God didn't heal her this time the way I thought He should. Now, does that mean the Word of God is not true? No, it doesn't mean that at all. means no matter how miraculous God heals no matter if he moves heaven and earth to heal you you're still going to die unless Jesus Christ comes before that point but listen to me in those two years that Tanya lived and even when her cancer returned she ministered in ways I never could. 
she loved people. And she had empathy for people. And she ministered to people in ways I only wish I had the capacity to do. And through her ministry, she changed people's lives forever. Because God used that cancer for her good and others' good and for His glory, because that's what He does. And at her funeral, I was able to stand in front of over 1,200 people and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at her funeral, people were saved and giving their life to Christ. Because that's what God does. No matter if we understand, no matter if we comprehend, all we're commanded to do is to believe. So church, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray for the sick. And we're going to pray humbly. We're going to pray fervently. And we're going to pay patiently waiting for the Lord's return. And we'll leave the rest up to Him. Because His promise is that He will heal and that He will make us well and that our sins will be forgiven. That's His promise. So let's pray. Lord, we love You. And we thank you that you love us with an undeniable love, God. Lord, I just pray for anyone in this room right now who is suffering, Lord, who is hurting, who is questioning, who's under a stress and a load that I don't know or even understand. Lord, I pray for them that you would minister to them. Lord, I pray that you would lift that load off of them and that you would take it upon yourself because that's what your word says you will do. Lord, I pray that they could stand just like that woman who had been bleeding and they can walk out of this place in peace. Lord, I pray for those in this room who are sick. Lord, maybe they've been sick for years and years. Lord, I pray that you would heal them. Lord, I pray that you would heal them physically. I pray that you would heal them emotionally and spiritually. I pray that you would heal them in every way as you draw them to yourself. Lord, for those in this room who have someone they love who are sick, Lord, give them the strength and the faith to go and minister. And Lord, heal that loved one. We just want to be obedient to your word. Faithful to your commands. So Lord, bless that obedience. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.